0: morning. This is Bakes, Kevin Baker with Bakes Takes. Welcome to my podcast. This is for the week ending Saturday, July 11th. Uh, actually, we're we'll recording this Tuesday morning. We had a big reversal. I'll talk about that uh, uh, later. Uh, number one, uranium 2.0. But wait, there's more. Uh, we, we Mike, we've hit a nerve here and there's, there's a lot of people interested in uranium and my chart and, and the fundamental work is coming together. We're going to have a lot of I think really neat interaction going on, and it's already started. Uh, Chart mania, obviously, I love charts. I've got more to talk about there. And number three, forget about bonds. Uh, Bill Miller, uh, formerly of Leg Mason, I forget the name of his new firm, uh, but uh, makes a very good, com- uh, a great podcast appearance, and says forget about bonds. And I think he's right. All right, Bakes take. Here's my first one. Fan mail uh, calls Mike. Uh, uranium has, has, has touched a nerve. Um, uh, I've had a number of phone calls, a number of emails, number of, of uh, a Twitter responses. So I saw, I saw some of the action on Twitter. Yeah, no, I, I it, and this is, this is really why I did this. I mentioned last week, you know, crowdsourcing experiment. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, that, uh, this is going to be really compelling. I see something in the charts. Someone else has an opinion Uh, we hopefully get together and all make a lot of money. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of very bright people out there that, you know, quote, unquote, are not money managers, but they just care about their own money. And so they pay a lot of attention. They're turning us on into information. And I want to be the hub. We want to be the hub Mm -hmm. that puts it all together. So... I love it. Uh, I we're growing. I'm I'm pretty. Ex- I'm I'm pumped up more than usual today, and I'm always pumped up, as you know. So thanks to the fans for pumping you up. Uh, amen. Yeah. Amen. Uh, here's uh, Ben. This is from the YouTube channel uh, URA, which is the ETF I mentioned, exchange traded fund uh, that uh, I talked about last week. He says it's not the best uranium e- uranium ETF anymore. Uh, I think he might be right. Uh, they they they've they rebalanced in the past two years, and and they they've de-emphasized maybe intentionally, maybe not, the uranium miners. He mentions two pure play ETFs: North Shore Uranium ETF (URNM) is the symbol, Horizon Uranium ETF (HURA). That is uh, a. a Frankly, I can't get it into my chart system, so I'm going to focus on URNM, but if you out there have other ideas in uranium that I should pay attention to, I uh, I want to hear about it. Uh, uh, another fellow wrote in, I was literally writing the exact same thing when I read your comment, so there's a uranium audience out there that I want to address. Here is the chart of URNM, uh, a couple of points, uh, it, it's a pretty chart. And, uh but it's thin, meaning it only trades uh, 2,900, 3,000 shares a day. So you and I can buy this as individuals, the institutions can't. It's roughly $90,000 a day that trades. Now that's going to go up, I think, if we're right. But uh I think that y- using this to our advantage is is helpful. We're not going to have uh, uh, a major money manager, a major institution come in and be involved, given the lack of liquidity that we have here. I think it serves our purposes. Um, these are the top 10 holdings. And again, uh, I mentioned that that URA last week, the number three holding was Barrett Gold, which is almost entirely gold, bit of copper, and very little uranium. Here, this is more uranium-centric and uh, and more diversified. Um, and, you know, I think that they own some things in on the London Exchange, the the uh, Hong Kong Exchange, that are, frankly would be a pain in the neck for us as individuals to buy and own. And so they'll do it for us. I have not endorsed them yet. I haven't talked to them yet. But I, at first glance, think this is a reasonable vehicle to pay attention to. So URNM, uh, uh, North shore. And, uh, we're going to be talking more about it this as, as we go forward. Cause I, again, Mike, I think we're on to something, uh, Azaria's capital. Uh, this is, this is, uh, again, this is one of the great things about the show. Uh, Darren used to, uh, uh, work two buildings for me. I, I spent years and years and years, uh, sharing meetings, talking to managements, We had a great conversation yesterday. This is Azarius Capital, uh, and I recommend... There's a link in the show notes that I urge you to go to. They've got a three-podcast series. I've listened to all three. Very thoughtful. Uh, Chris is his partner. The Uranium Thesis... And listen, we're all big boys and girls, and I said this last week, so be smart. We're all talking our own books, meaning, chances are... That anybody that is espousing a view already has a position to exploit that view, so if they're saying they're bullish on uranium, they probably own it up to their eyeballs, okay that just makes common sense, so just assume that until proven otherwise um, here is and what I, this is what I'm going to do I'm going to uh, bring out a a point of uranium every single week, and I want you to think about it and respond. Uh, and this is what came to my mind, how does the ESG world, environmental social governance world, socially conscious, or, or whatever you want to use that term, how do they view this? Is it a great alternative to coal, or is it three-mile island, Fujizawa, and, and, and a, a dangerous technology? You know, now, I think that it... it, it Especially nowadays, Three Mile Island is, is forty years ago. The when I Mike, when I first brought this up, I said I thought of that Saturday Night Live skit mm. with Dan Aykroyd and the nuclear reactor <laughs> as Jimmy Carter. Yeah. That's the first thing I thought of. It's yeah. forty years and I still think like that. And I think many of us do. I don't think that's that's nuclear power right now, the main users of uranium to generate power. Uh I recommend the Bill Gates Netflix special. He has a a obviously multi-billion dollar project uh, with, with small modular reactors, SMRs, uh, that was supposed to go live in China, but then the Trump uh, uh, tariffs hit and the restrictions hit and he couldn't do it. So I think this is really interesting for us as individual investors. I think there's something going on in uranium. I have not pulled the trigger yet. I think that the uh, the institutions are not here yet I'm told that the entire investable universe here in terms of uh, uh, uranium miners is roughly six billion dollars which is a rounding error in the in the institutional money management world uh, there are no public futures markets to look at so it's all private transactions between the miners and and the the power producers, the utilities. So do me a favor, please send me your bull and bear points. I'm not giving you a homework assignment, but I'd love to know what you find on the bullish side and also the bearish side. And here's the other thing. When I hear there's no competition, I get nervous. When I hear there's no bear story, I get nervous. There's always a competitive story and there's always a bear story. So let's be honest and at least know what's coming from both of those, those standpoints. And then we can discuss and everybody can make their own decision, like the big boys and girls that we are. So, uh, and next week, I'm going to bring up another point about uranium. I want to have you respond. And let's have this be a very productive conversation that hopefully leads to us making uh, a lot of money. All right, here we go to the next segment, uh, chart mania. COVID is getting way too much attention, okay, for obvious reasons. But and I kind of really boil down to one thing, Uh, are people dying from COVID? And so I'm going to be looking at this chart every two or three days. And if this is flat to down, I think that we're going to be okay. If it goes up, the, 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 the reason stocks have been ripping here from the March low is talks about vaccines and what have you. And and, and and COVID is in the rearview mirror. If COVID deaths start picking up, then I think people say, hold on a minute, we've got to call into question 2021 earnings, 2022 earnings. Right now, this looks like a minor blip off the bottom. The the, the media likes to talk about cases in, in Florida, Texas, Arizona, et cetera. Now, California just shut down, so apparently they're seeing something in terms of hospitalization rates. That are a big issue. But I think deaths are the bottom line. And I hate to be so morbid, but it's our money. We have to be smart about it. If deaths pick up, I think stocks go down, period. So I'm going to be updating this every now and then. Uh, Here's the S&P. And I'm really glad we did this on Tuesday versus yesterday, because the market yesterday was screaming the Pfizer put out positive news about being fast-tracked for their COVID vaccine. By the way, they announced that right before the futures opened on Sunday night, and so the futures were ripping, you know, coming out of the gate, which is uh, another point. Watch out for that first half hour of trading, That's the especially on Monday. That's the emotional uh, part of the day where the headlines get crystallized, people react, shorts get squeezed, etc., what happened yesterday was we ripped for the first in the morning. And then in the afternoon, we said, okay, that isn't as bullish as we might have first believed. And so let's get back down to uh, reality. And we finished on, on, uh, on a down note. And look at that pink volume, Mike. The volume picks up on the down days. And I know I'm beating this drum too hard. We were up for the year for about an hour or so. And then we couldn't, I mentioned last week, Mike, remember how it was tired. Yeah. That's the word that resonates in my head. Yeah. The market was tired. It is tired. So even positive COVID vaccine news from Pfizer, not a little biotech that's never put a product out Pfizer, you know, multi-billion dollar, you know, multi-decade corporation, S and P 500 stock, uh, uh, th- that couldn't that couldn't keep the market going, and so we reversed. We closed at the lows on big volume again. Here's the Pfizer chart, and uh, okay, it looks better, but harkening back to prior shows, what did we do? We rallied into resistance on big volume. To be fair, you know, if you have a, a, a vaccine that that uh, brings hopium, Gaia Adami's term from CNBC. Uh, but, you know, so the market's up, th- the, the the Pfizer was up 3% yesterday, maybe a little bit more, uh, but we hit resistance at 36, and we couldn't get above it, and so what do they, and until they say we're producing vaccines and selling it, or we have an FDA approval, I don't see how the stock goes up a heck of a lot. That's me, uh, and please, you know, argue with me if you want, but I think, They've kind of uh, taken their best shot, and this is what you get: a three percent bounce into resistance at thirty-six bucks. I don't see reasons why it goes up a heck of a lot from here. There we go. This is the next chart, uh, the cues. This is the, the the Nasdaq 100, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon. What's really been driving this market? And yesterday, it. it hit an intraday high, and then reverse. This is called an inside-out day. This is getting a little bit wonky, but I like this stuff. That means hit a new high uh, above the prior day's high, close below the prior day's low, and closed at the low. It's an inside-out day. It's um, Again, it shows, t- I'm not going to say exhaustion, but it shows that it's tired and that with all the good news out there, the market couldn't finish on an up note. Now, the fundamental people will say, well, you had that that negative news about California closing down again at the end of the day. I don't care. It is an inside-out day on big volume, and with all the news that's out there, the positive Pfizer COVID news and the negative California reopening news or closing down news, the, the stock market ended up on uh, ended down at the low on big volume. So do that what you will. I think it's a tired market. Here is, I think, one of the prettiest charts out there. Mike, we were talking about volatility. We, we, we have that Howard Marks chart from prior shows mm-hmm. about positive COVID news. Uh, uh, negative reopening news, and here's the tug of war. Mm-hmm. And we're four months, less than four months away from the election. This is going to be a fiasco, in my opinion. Uh, volatility is picking up, and the volume is too. Mm. And I think, well, you know, once we get through 44ish on the VIXM, the medium-term VIX futures, we're going to see some follow through. Now we're not there yet, but. That is a pretty base and a pretty chart with volume doing the things that you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. Didn't have anything from the Reporters of the Week, uh, but Podcasts of the Week, let's go to that. Uh, Barry Redhold's, uh Bloomberg uh, uh, Masters in Business podcast is really terrific. I mean, week in, week out, I think really, really good. Uh, and Bill Miller, I've always liked Bill Miller. After this uh, episode... I uh, was was really impressed. He had a string, I want to say, fifteen years uh, of beating the S and P five hundred every year. I mean, incredible money manager, uh, and I just think some really great insights that he brought to bear. I recommend the whole podcast, but because I'm so full service, I'm going to direct you to the the parts of that podcast that I think really have some some meat to them. He talks about uh, at five minutes bear bull symmetry, where roughly the, the bear market time of, of the, the, the time of bear market lasts is roughly uh, uh, symmetrical with the, 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 the recovery. He points to 87 and he says, okay, we went down a month uh, this past time and it took about a month to recover. And it's, you know, I, I haven't gone back to look at all of the examples, but it's something to consider. I think that 11 years up and a month down is a little too much to ask for, but we'll see what happens. Uh, at 15 minutes, forget about Bonds. He puts together a very compelling case that at, at 65 basis points on the 10-year, and the, the incredible decline from 15% to this, th- this yield level, that's going to be really hard to make money in bonds. I agree with him, and I uh, really suggest that you listen to his thoughts as well. At 30 minutes, uh, I, and I've talked about this a thousand times, but it's nice to have someone with a billion dollars uh, rather than me say it, um, uh, he just gave seventy-five million dollars, Mike, to to the philosophy department of of his alma mater, Johns Hopkins. Wow, which I think is pretty remarkable. Not too many philosophy majors running, you know, multi billion, <laughs> multi million dollar uh, funds. Anyway. At 30 minutes, he says, the market predicts the economy. I fervently believe that. Uh, it, it, it is a discounting mechanism. It is the wisdom of millions and millions of really smart people, smart investors, divining not what's happening in July of 2020, but but the full years of 2021 and 2022. So interesting. 47 minutes, he, he talks about... Uh, free cash flow yield and return on invested capital as ways that he has become a a value investor with a twist. My words, not his. Which is why he had a, he ran the Leg Mason Value Trust and was you know owned Amazon up to his eyeballs. He's a huge Bitcoin investor, which does not fit the, those those those. Uh, metrics that I just mentioned, but he's a a very independent thinker, and the philosophy department at at Johns Hopkins has served him well, to put it mildly. At 51 minutes, and this was, I thought, great. Uh, Focus on what the Fed is doing, not what I think it should do. And no truer words were said. Me opining or you opining on the Fed buying corporate bonds or junk bonds or ETFs, it doesn't matter. They did it. They are doing it. And how do you make money from it? Or how do you avoid losing money from it? And I just think it's a great point to remember. Uh, my, my high school football coach always said what could have happened did. And I think it, it's as valid today as it ever was. The, he's calling at 55 minutes. He calls for new highs for uh, the end of the year. Pretty bold call. We'll see if he's right. Um, and then at, at uh, an hour and eight minutes, he recommends reminiscences, reminiscences of a Stock Operator by Jesse Livermore. I'm almost positive I have that right. I've read it several times. He reads it every year, and it it, it, it comes back from the experiences of the crash of, of uh, 29 and, and subsequently, and I just think it's a great... Uh, number one, a great book to have on your shelf and read and and be reminded about. And then it also dovetails with the next Bakes Take segment, which is fan questions of the week. Uh, Charlie uh, from Pennsylvania asked about a recommended reading list. And it took me aback and I looked around my shelves. Here's what I've come up with in no particular order, Charlie. Uh, Peter Lynch, one up on Wall Street, Uh, uh, legendary Fidelity Manager, ran the Magellan Fund, terrific performance for years and years and years. Uh, How he kept track of, even with his assistants and team and and what have you, how he kept track of the hundreds of stocks that he would have in his portfolio was amazing to me. Uh, One phrase that I recall is, own what you know, know what you own. And I would encourage you to do that as well. Uh, If you are uh, working at a data center company, you probably know more about data center fundamentals than you do about biotech fundamentals. So maybe you should look there first before you go into more esoteric er areas. And I picked this, and this was sort of accidental, but I realized Peter Lynch is a fundamental analyst, meaning it's revenues... Margins, earnings growth the the nitty gritty of the financial statements um, and so then I went to my next one. uh Michael Lewis, I confess the big short, I love the movie. I didn't read the book, okay, but uh, I think the movie is 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 fantastic, and I think it also points to the extremes in investor psychology that we are capable of. We can drive housing to ridiculous prices, we can do crazy things with financial leverage and, deli- and, and and derivatives. And then we can panic and see the other side of that as we did in 08 and 09. And I just think that it's a great lesson in uh, uh, the swings in, 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 in human psychology, investor psychology, and uh, it's, it's a great movie as well. Uh, Bill O'Neill, I've talked about this before. How to make money in stocks is a, um, there's fundamentals involved, but he also is the one that really turned me to technical analysis after the 1987 crash. And I said, huh, that, that really, um, uh, it's a great tool if, if for timing, if, if for no other reasons than the timing. Uh, you know, yes, you need to know the business. You need to know why the revenues grow. You need to know why the margins expand. You need to know why the earnings are growing more than people expect so that the multiple expands and all of that great stuff. But the technicals, the charts really help. And my other favorite book, which I've talked about here before is how to make money selling stocks short. Now I think short selling gets too involved for many people, unless you're really willing to spend the time. But uh, for the cell discipline that I've talked about in prior shows, I think it's terrific. And uh, as as you go to work in, uh, uh, in, in your next job, having these books under your belt, I think will really serve you well. So you have Peter Lynch, The Fundamentals, Bill O'Neill, The Technical Analysis, and then uh, I'm reading right now. I'm about halfway through Gregory Zuckerman, the man who solved the market. Jim Simons, he is a quant, quantitative investor, runs Renaissance Technology, has the best performance numbers of any hedge fund or any fund out there, ever. 39 percent year after year after fees. Uh, very bright. It's for him. It's all math all the time. And I'm fascinated by the 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 quant world, and I'm learning a lot about it. So there you have a fundamental perspective, technical perspective, quant perspective, and then you know you can look in the back and and, and find all the offshoots that you want to read further. But I think that's a great start. Selfishly, I also said uh, talked about uh, doing launching the website, which that's my bad that I've been behind on that. Uh, But Mike and I are going to launch the website version of Bakes Takes Podcast. And I'm asking you, what would you like me to write about? Uh, I've thought about coming in midweek with breaking news, uh, posting behind the scenes videos. But I want this to be uh, interactive and a conversation and productive. You tell me what you'd like to hear about. Uh, Please subscribe, review and share my Bakes Takes podcast on Apple, Spotify, your preferred platform. Please also subscribe to my Bakes Takes YouTube channel, which is growing nicely, Mike, by the way. The audio is the same, but the charts that I reference are on the screen. Follow us on Twitter uh, at BakesTakes underscore and other social media. Please also use your voice memo app and um, uh, tape your questions, email to Bakes at BakesTakesPodcast.com, or write if you would prefer. I'll keep you anonymous if you'd like. Thank you for listening. Mike Wilson is my producer. Have a great week. This is Bakes, and for much-needed levity, uh, I watched this with uh, my son the other day, John Mullaney from Radio City Music Hall. Kid Gorgeous, it's on Netflix very, very funny. And please check that out. The link is in the show notes and I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye now.